Hello, Dr. Dyke Drummond here at the home of TheHappyMD.com in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the latest episode of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Tools so you can recognize and prevent your own burnout. Stories of burnout put to its highest and best use and wellness leadership strategies. Everything you need to be a physician on purpose. Hello again, Dr. Dyke Drummond here with the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast coming you from our home in beautiful Seattle, Washington at thehappymd.com. And I'm really excited today because I found another coach who talks my language. So she says rebel, I say free agent, but it's all about how do you find the power to live this life according to your spirit congruent with your mission in this lifetime? How do you do that when the system wants to put you on a job description that's defined by the business model and revenue model of your employer? We don't want that to stand. So I'm with Dr. Kristen Yates, D.O. She is the owner and thinker-upper of rebelphysician.com. And for three years, has been doing the Rebel Physician podcast. It's recently renamed to Rebel Physician Mm -hmm. Podcast. She's a mother of four on maternity leave, got a new baby with her husband at the store, and she's got a half hour she can spend with us to describe (laughs) her philosophy. So Dr. Yates, if you could just do a couple of quick things, and I know this is contracting a big time frame, I'd love to hear your story about choosing to go to medical school, your story about becoming a coach, and your story about the wisdom you've collected along the way to the point where now you've got a framework to help other people understand where they are when they're burned out and lost. Okay, I can do that. So first of all, thank you for having me. This is really fun. I'm excited to talk to you. I ended up in medical school because when I was in college, I wanted to do more and get more certificates. And I was now what I know now is that I was still trying to earn people's respect by proving how smart I am. (laughs) I don't know if anyone can relate to that, but that's where I was. So I was um, finishing up college and I knew I wanted to get an advanced degree. And at that point, I majored in psychology and biomedical sciences as a dual degree. And I thought I was going to be a psychologist, go to get a PhD in psychology. But I didn't want to work in a lab with rats. (laughs) So that was the deterrent for that. So I said, what else can I do? And so the other obvious choice was medical school. So I applied to medical school and I ended up in Missouri at the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine. And then uh, from there, I decided to be an OBGYN, which I knew right away that I wanted to do OBGYN because I wanted to work with women and I wanted to, I liked surgery and I liked clinic. (laughs) And that was the one thing I could do all of those things plus deliver babies. So I did medical school, went to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for residency. And then after residency, I graduated in 2016. I basically, what I thought it landed my dream job essentially was joined a private practice back in my hometown of New Hampshire and um, was on partnership track. And soon after that, despite the perfect job and finally being done with residency, I got totally burned out. Oh, no. And <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Shockingly, my burnout was because of imposter syndrome, which is what my podcast was initially on. But I was just, I was so full of self doubt, basically. I couldn't, I didn't think I was good enough. I was on call alone and and was worried people would judge me, all the typical self doubt stuff. 
so I was in a place a year out of residency and I was like, I don't, I can't do this. This is not, I can't feel like this every day for the next 30 years or more. It's just not possible. I had recently had, I had just had my second child. So happened to be on maternity leave looking for a new way to um, lose the baby weight that's, that wasn't di- a diet. So anyway, I found I found coaching through weight loss, my desire for weight loss at that time. I learned about coaching and all the tools about how important your thoughts are and all of these this novel information that I didn't know was really successful in weight loss. I was feeling physically good, but then went back to work and was still overcome by this doubt. So I thought, well, if it worked for my food thoughts, then maybe it'll work for my self-doubt thoughts. And I incorporated the same kind of coaching principles, self-coaching to really become confident, more confident than I ever had been. And I was in a place where I was happy at work. I wasn't dreading call anymore. And that's where I decided that I needed to help other young physicians, either in residency or early career physicians, not feel this way. Um, I was starting to share my story about imposter syndrome and so many people were resonating with it. So that's when I started the podcast and created courses and then decided to become a coach to help other people overcome self-doubt. So that's kind of where my coaching began was back in probably 2017, 2018 now when I was up and running. Then from there, probably in the last maybe two years ago, I was working on this business outside of my full-time job. I'd become a partner, but our practice was going to become acquired by Big Brother. And everything kind of started to erupt in my life. And I was no longer, it just, my job no longer felt aligned with who I, who I was growing into spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It wasn't aligned with me 100%. And it felt, I just didn't like how I was feeling. So anyway, several months went by I decided to make a huge change, what I call is the sleep of faith, where last year I gave my notice with no plans at all, except for I needed to get out. I wasn't going to be a prisoner to medicine anymore. And moved my family, got an amazing job. And that's looking back, I realized, thinking about what happened, how did I get from 2016 to now, and really started to become passionate about helping other physicians realize that they're so much more powerful than they think they are. Because I didn't know how powerful I was in creating the life and medicine that I love. So that's where the Rebel Physician was born. A lot of the concepts that I had been talking about, but my filter was now gone because I went the stuff I went through, I realized I don't care what anyone, no one can stop me. I need to share this message. This medical system that we're in is toxic. It's abusive. It's neglectful. The more that uh, that physicians talk about it and bring light to it and show that there's a better way, the more other physicians will be empowered to do the same. So that's kind of where the rebel physician was created. And then from there, I worked backwards and figured out if there's a rebel physician, what's the opposite of that? And that's where this physician identity quadrant came to be. The physician identity quadrant. So (laughs) hang on a second. You got burned out in your job. Then they got acquired and pulled the rug out from under you. And you realized your give a shit meter was broken. (laughs) Yeah. And that provided you not with shame, but with degrees of freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that's clear to me is that with very rare exception, very rare exception when you're truly being victimized by a sadistic psychopath. And we run into that every once in a while, you Mm -hmm. and I, 
that very rare exception, which I've only seen a couple of times, all of us, all the time, always have options available. Yeah. What we lose is the ability to see that options are available because we shut down our awareness when we're in survival mode. So if you're thinking, there's nothing I can do about this, that's almost certainly incorrect Mm -hmm. and a sign that you're shut down. And one of the things that coaching does is allow you to get an ex- an outside perspective to show you that there are degrees of freedom. Absolutely. And one of them is to snap the give a shit handle right off and really ask yourself, if I didn't care what anybody else thought, if I didn't care what anybody else's plans for me, if I didn't care about my job description, what might I be able to do at this point? And now my understanding is that this rebel physician in the quadrant and everything is a relatively new maturation of your thought process, yes? Yes, in the last few months, really. So describe to me how it came to you. <laughs> I was uh, I was on a girls weekend trip with my best friend, one of that I and I was pregnant, like 35 weeks pregnant with my fourth child, and it was truly relaxing. <laughs> and oh, wow. I was in the kind of in the background up leading up to this trip was figuring out like, where's my brand going to go? There's something I I could feel intuitively that there was something that was meant to come through me. Really. I just knew that there was something that I could box up and figure out how do I, what this is supposed to come through me in a different way, really. And I had all this content that I had been working on for years. And then I went away and I got a facial and I relaxed and it just came to me from the universe, from the ethers, whatever have you, whatever is there's something. And it just kind of all dropped in all at once. The whole physician identity quadrant, the rebel, all the words that I had been, that had been swarming around kind of came to me in this content, which made sense for my path and the path that of the clients that I've worked with. And so what was the random piece of paper you first scrawled it down? (laughs) My journal, I have a bullet journal that I carry with me everywhere. (laughs) So that's where it was. (laughs) There's my bullet journal. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) That's bullet, everybody. (laughs) B-U-L-L-E-T journal, the bullet journal method. We're going to recommend that. We know that writing things down with a pen on paper is better than anything else. Mm -hmm. Bullet journal, go get it. Study it. Writer Carol, great stuff. Great. So let's describe this quadrant. Okay. And it's a it's a classic two by two, everybody. Yep. So a classic two by two, and it's got an X and a Y axis. Yep. So set us and again, X. Yes. Y. <laughs> so we have the this X Y axis up and down. Y is vertical, <laughs> correct? Yes. <laughs> this is mom brain full force. Y axis is authenticity. And I know that's a generic word, but authenticity is all encompassing and you have up on the top you have high authenticity the bottom is low authenticity and what that means is i know my values i am in integrity with my own values no matter what i don't people please i have boundaries i don't say yes to make people like me i don't care what anyone else thinks basically is high authenticity and then the x axis is non attachment and we have low non-attachment and high non-attachment being on the other end. And non-attachment is the understanding and the awareness that you are not your job. You are not your degree. You are way more than that. And you are serving a bigger purpose in this life. Your 
job, if you want it to be, is one outlet for your purpose, not your purpose in life. There's more to you than medicine. And there's more to you than your job. That was that was the harder place for me to find the non-attachment because yeah. of our and for the for everybody who's listening, it's like it's the separation between I'm a doctor, that's fusion, that's identity, and doctor is one of the roles I play in the world. Exactly. And the first step for me was realizing that I stopped saying I'm a doctor. I would say I work as a doctor. And those words are so powerful. And just that one shift after a while was enough for me to create enough space to realize that, okay, if I am not a doctor, I work as a doctor, then what, who am I? What am I? And then I could explore that space. So those are the axes. Then we split it up. And we on the top right, if we're looking at it, have rebel physician. So high authenticity, I live in my values and high non-attachment. I don't, I don't need my degree. I don't need my job to be who I am and worthy of who I am. If we drop down to the most common section from physicians, which is the lower left, that's what I call a suffering physician, which is where I started out. And that's someone who has low authenticity, which means that I'm scared to be myself. I don't know my values because no one's asked me that, or I had to give them all up to get through my training. Right. And I have to people please in order to keep this job. And on the other axis, if I don't have this job, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am outside of my degree. I'm scared to find out what would happen if I lost my job because I'm nothing without my job. Those kinds of thoughts, um, that's suffering position. And then we move up, which is high authenticity, low non-attachment, which is the stuck position. This is the path I took. I went from suffering to stuck. I did some co I worked with coaching. I got some help. I realized what my values were and started living in them. I created boundaries at the job I had, but I still didn't know that I was more than my degree, more than my job. I didn't know I had other options. And then the other bottom right is low authenticity, high non-attachment, which is called the wandering physician. This is probably the least common. This is someone who doesn't feel particularly attached to any job. They are aware of how many jobs there are. They'll go from job to job, lots of different jobs. But then once they get in the job, they don't know their values. They like to people please. They're still seeking that uh, approval, that external validation. So they end up burning out because they're just trying to fit into the mold that that job wants them to be. And then they leave. They go to another job and the same thing kind of happens over and over again. Right. And so I've put the diagram here, the four quadrants and, and the axes into the show notes, no matter where you are right now. So if it's on YouTube or if you're listening to us on a podcast, the diagram is in the show notes if you want to see it. But let's just go through it again. So vertical axis is authenticity. authenticity. Mm -hmm. Higher is higher authenticity. Horizontal axis is your level of non-attachment and farther to the right means you're less attached. Yes. And the power quadrant is the top right quadrant where you are high authenticity and complete non-attachment. Mm -hmm. You know who you are, you live according to your values and you don't care what anybody thinks about that. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that uh, we talk about in my universe in our coaching program is the the authenticity is if you're if you're still somebody who believes that seeing patients is your path and that hasn't been beat out of you, that authenticity is to take some time to look into your heart, 
and to look into the arc of your life so far and say, you know, in an ideal world, what would my practice look like? If I could design it for myself, what would be an ideal practice for me? And then going on the, the search for that practice, which you may be able to create here with some torquing of the current situation, but you may also have to go get a new job to find it. Mm-hmm. So when you show somebody, a coaching client, your rebel four quadrants, tell me what they do. Do they light up? <laughs> yeah, I think that they finally, it's 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 nice to know kind of where someone is. Most people are like, I'm definitely suffering. I'm a suffering physician. That's definitely how I feel. These are the things I think. And knowing that there are other options out there and how to get there, like, okay, it's one thing to know that I'm in a bad way. But it's another thing to know that, okay, this is my goal. And now we can figure out what you need to do to get there. And then we can take steps. Physicians love steps. We love, this is the path to to get somewhere. So I think it makes people, it gives people hope that no matter where you are in this quadrant and what's going on in your life, there's always the next one step you can take to get away from the suffering that you're in. Yep. Marshall Goldsmith, there was a book, I think, that was written by him that says, what got you here won't get you there. The question for most people, though, is where's my there? Right. And that's what you're talking about, zooming up through these quadrants. So as you coach people, what are some questions that you ask them to free up their thought process for being authentic? Being authentic, I think the first thing is just asking them what they want, which I think you and I have talked about, that's not a common question that physicians ask themselves is what do I want? What's your perfect, like if you couldn't have the best job in the world, if medicine was exactly in alignment with what you valued, what would that look like? And then we do it, and then we do it with the understanding that your brain's going to offer up all these reasons why it can't, right? Right. So it becomes of what lights you up the most? What, when, when do you, enjoy like when do you get into flow when are you kind of like your brain's you know you're not so much worried about your thoughts you're more like in your body when do you feel more playful i think play and fun is a huge aspect of of this and kind of getting out of the serious mode and getting more into like let's just play and experiment with the different things what do you used to do before medicine what did you value most most physicians that i work with are women and they have families they have an understanding that their family matters to them, but there's a disconnect between knowing that their family is their top priority and feeling too, so much fear of dropping down their job from number the number one spot because so much of their identity is wrapped up in that. So one way that I kind of get to the values and one way that worked for me is bringing in the, the power of our mortality. Like we know <laughs> this is finite, right? And I do this, this is how I got out of my job. Um, if I if I had six months to live, if I knew right. I had six months to live, what would matter? We don't. I don't think we ask. We don't use our own mortality enough because if you really understood that you don't know when your last day is going to be, you wouldn't take shit anymore. Like you just wouldn't because that's what people say. Well, I would just quit. I would leave. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't stand for this abuse. Well, then what's keeping you there? Well, I I probably don't have six months to live. You don't know. You might have six minutes to live. See, another thing is you're probably coaching a younger crowd, you know, younger female physicians with young families. I'm 64 and I have lived a decade now with the knowledge of my mortality. My mom, my dad are gone, right? My uh, 
My stepmom, after my dad passed away, felt a lump on her neck one day and was dead 30 days later. Mm. And I'm a gardener. So these days when I choose a tree I want to put in my garden, I realize it's not going to grow very big before I'm not here. So I better be okay with an adolescent version of this tree rather than the 100-year-old one mm-hmm. I would think of when I was a younger man. So yeah, uh, mortality is a, is a place where unless you've had a personal life-threatening illness, it's something that that keen sense of it develops over time. Mm-hmm. And then, until you can bring that into the present, you can sit in a dirty diaper for a long time. Remember, yeah. too, we're we're trained to do what other people ask of us, to color mm-hmm. inside their lines. Yeah. Um, I always have doctors give me the open mouth goldfish stare when I ask them, you know, in an ideal world, what would your practice look like? What do you really want your practice to look and feel like? And they just go, mm-hmm. nobody's ever asked me that before. Mm-hmm. So it's a liberation. And I'm glad you're asking people that question. Yeah. And I think another thing too, is that for most physicians, they're looking around them and all the other doctors and they just have their heads down and survival mode, just the same. So for the people who have the spark, who have that, like that small voice, like you had mentioned, it doesn't get any attention because they look around and no one is doing anything except for having their head down and working their butts off. What's wrong with me? What if they find out? (laughs) Yeah. Why do I feel this way? Why don't I just work hard like everybody else? Why do I want more? Why can't I be happy with this? And then it gets muted. And so I think just the awareness that that voice is actually more prominent and more prevalent in other physicians than we know, it matters a lot just knowing that they're not alone and having a desire for something different. Yep. Yep. Because there is a first mover advantage here these days. So if you look around and you see that everybody's overwhelmed and everybody's, you know, running on fumes and nobody's particularly happy and burnout rates are 63%, what I can tell you is that in our communities, if you're willing to figure out what you really want and if you're willing to take matters into your own hands and if you're willing to not care what other people think as you begin this exploration there's all sorts of opportunity out there for the folks that are willing to change their actions change their situation absolutely there really are so many options and it's the continued lie that goes unsaid in medicine that you have to take what you can get and be happy with what you have and you're replaceable that we need to stop believing. And there are people out there who have a medical career that is sustainable and it is possible. And the taking the first step is absolutely terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But that's only because of the trash that we've been fed all of our lives that, or all of our medical lives, that if you're not working hard for your patient 24 seven, then you're not a good doctor. Right. And anybody who says you're replaceable in this market, and especially in America, they don't know what they're talking about. No. And every day into the future from me speaking right now, the shortages of physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, shortages of all clinicians in healthcare get worse and worse and worse. So anybody who tries to bully you with your replaceable, you know, I not want to do that. You might not find another job. That's just cockamamie crap. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't listen to it at all. Absolutely. Right on. Okay. So this is awesome. So Revel Physician, 
Yep. Uh, when you, when you come now, hang on a second. People can find you on a couple of different social media channels. So I ran into you and your able physician language here on LinkedIn. So I mm-hmm. know you're there. Where else do you do a lot of your work and posting? Instagram is my other active social media channel, and it's okay. Kristen Yates Do is where you can find me there on both places. K r i s t i n y a t e s d o. Yes. Yes. And then rebelphysician.com, right? Exactly. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I've always seen what happens when a person comes into coaching and makes their career their own is is an awakening from a long dream. Yeah. You had an urge back in the day to be a helper and a healer and a light worker, and it was knocked out of you through the medical education process of staying inside the lines and always (laughs) showing up and and now it's an awakening back to what is the fruition of that initial urge? Because back when you decided to go to medical school, you really had no idea what you were in for. Right. Now you get to make it yours. And it doesn't have to be clinical either. Right? Right. It doesn't Absolutely have to be not. clinical either. No. And I think that I know we're a bit about ready to wrap up, but physicians who feel like they are done, like they're they're done, they have they want to close the chapter of medicine but are too afraid to feel like I've invested all this time and money into my medical education. I can't leave it now. And then they just end up torturing themselves, going to a job that is not aligned for them anymore. And that's not helpful for them or their patients or their family. So just remember that everything that we go through is an experience. So it doesn't mean that it was a waste. You, we have, we learn so much every day going into our jobs. So if you decide that that chapter is closed, it doesn't mean it was a waste. It means you have a wealth of knowledge and experience that you can bring into literally any other field you go into. And that's not lost on you. And you're going to be better for it, not worse. Yep. Old Arab proverb, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. Uh, for those of you who say, well, I've, I've come this far, I've got to keep going. Look up a term called the sunk cost fallacy. Mm. sunk cost fallacy and realize that no matter how much of a rebel you think you are the rebel can only come to life when you change your actions and step out of einstein's insanity trap Mm -hmm. any last words for now for now all what i'll say is a rebel can be all all i mean by rebel is someone who is deciding that they're not going to be a victim of medicine anymore. And they're going to say no sometimes. You can be a rebel just by saying no. So I just challenge you, in what one small way can you be a rebel today? Stop acting like a sheep. <laughs> right on. So Dyke Drummond here with Kristen Yates, D-O, rebelphysician.com. And that's the latest edition of the Physicians on Purpose podcast. Until we see you in the next podcast, you keep breathing and have a great rest of your day. 